Take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 12, will you please? Romans chapter 12. We will keep our eyes on you so that we can set our heart on you. What do you look for in a healthy church? You look for biblical preaching, and from biblical preaching should flow biblical worship. But worship in our lives does not happen by accident. Worship needs to be intentional. 24 7, 365. This morning you've already heard Romans 12, 1 and 2. Read and quoted. The first time in the King James, the second time in the English Standard Version. And I want us all to focus on the truths that this passage contains this morning to help us with intentional worship. So what I've done is I have printed these two verses on slides. And I want us to read them in unison today, all right? So everybody's eyes up here, because we'll all be in the same translation this way. And I know that some of us who've memorized it in the King James have to concentrate. So let's read these two verses together and put them from our eyes to our hearts so that we can live them out through our lives. Are you ready? Here we go. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Intentional worship. Presenting our bodies, living sacrifices, not being conformed, but being transformed and understanding, discerning, and doing the will of God. Recognizing what God has for our lives. Last week we introduced this passage of Scripture, and we began a study on the four keys that we need to unlock intentional worship. The first key, recognize that in our lives, healthy worship demands a total, complete sacrifice, surrender to God. Sometimes we use the phrase full-time Christian service. And we use that to describe someone who is vocationally in ministry, maybe a pastor, maybe a missionary, maybe a Christian worker, full-time Christian service. But the reality is, we're all full-time Christians. You can't be part-time married. Right? Not recommended at all. Because if you're part-time married, pretty soon you won't be married at all. And we must understand that we are to be Full-time, 24-7, 365 Christians. 
You can't be part. We're all full-time Christians. And so Paul it tells us that healthy worship requires total sacrifice. I urge you, brothers, I plead with you. I come alongside you to help you in this journey. And that's what the word urge means. Paracleto. One who comforts, one who encourages, one who comes alongside. You're not in this by yourself. I urge you, therefore, therefore, because of who God is, and we looked at that last week out of Romans chapter 11, therefore, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now, that's total, that's complete. That's a sacrificial commitment. I showed you this last week. Conversation between a rooster and a pig about feeding the hungry. Then the rooster says, I think we ought to give them some ham and eggs. Huh? And the pig says, for you it's a contribution, but for me it's a sacrifice. I wonder how many of us are willing to just make a contribution. A little dab here, a little dibble there. Throw a few bucks in the plate. I'm kind of strange. Thank you for not saying amen. Because when somebody asks me for something, if I can do it, I try to do it. Every once in a while, somebody will come up and say, and I'll say to them, what can I give you? And they'll say, boy, I sure could use a million dollars. I'm glad they asked for a million and not 10 bucks. A million, I don't have to make a decision about. 10 bucks, I got to make a decision. I walked into the church uh, Friday. Where's Linda? Where's Linda? Linda, where are you? Linda will validate this story. I walked into the church Friday little afternoon, and the OCC team was sitting around the table talking about Operation Christmas Child stuff. I had the poor judgment to insert myself into that conversation. Because I walked up and I said to the gentleman who was sitting there, I said, how you doing? Because I knew he had some health, health needs. And he told me a little bit about that. I said, anything I can do for you? And he said, yeah, you give me five bucks. Let me think about it, ten. I had ten in my pocket. I had a decision to make. So I whipped out ten bucks, and I gave it to him, and I said, put this in the OCC offering. Now, I'm not going to miss any meals over ten bucks. I'm not going to not be able to pay any bills over ten bucks. It was simply an offering, a contribution, something somebody asked for. I'm not sure they were serious, but they asked for it. I could do it. I did it. That's the way we are many times with worship, right? Yeah, I could do that. It's not much. It's not really a sacrifice. It just... You see the distinction I'm trying to make here? Presenting our bodies is more than just a contribution. It's a 24-7, 365 activity that takes place in our lives. 
Jango Weimer has written a book, and I, I love the title of this book, 100% Christian, How the Gospel Changes Everything. Isn't that a great title? 100% Christian, How the Gospel Changes Everything. And in his book, he says this, our act of worship is no longer to bring a sacrifice, but to be one ourselves. We remain living. It is all of us that is being offered. Worship is about what I say with my tongue. It's about what I watch, what I think, where I go with my feet. If we are going to intentionally worship, the first key is that it is 24-7, 365. And healthy worship involves a total sacrifice, a commitment from our lives. Now we move into verse 2. And there are some words that I want you to identify in verse 2, and we'll show them up here, all right? And do not be conformed. Note that word, will you please? To this word, but be transformed. Note that word, will you? How? By the renewing of your mind. Note that word, mind. So that you may prove what is the will of God. That which is good, acceptable, and perfect. And so we need to discover the other keys to worship. Yes, worship is a total sacrifice, surrender to God. But we need to recognize that that total commitment is only accomplished by a renewed mind that is determined to know, discern, and to follow God's will. Yeah, I want to be a living sacrifice. How do I do that? Yeah, I want to surrender, but what does that take? Yeah, I understand that this is how I can please God and how I can worship God and how I can be the kind of person that God wants me to be, but what? Well, here's the what. Renewing our mind, determining to know, to do, discern, follow God's will. So let's move on very quickly this morning. You see, the second key to worship is that which is contrary to our culture. This is not socially accepted stuff. And be not conformed to this world. I like the Phillips translation. It says, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. I'm not going to guess how many generations we have in this room. But we have a number of generations. And I think we would all agree that in each of our generations, our culture has been different. Some of you think back at the good old days, right? Some of you think the good old days cannot exist without one of these. 
And in all of our lives, culture, society is changing around us. And I'm here to submit that it's not changing for the better. This old world ain't getting any better. And so Paul says, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. Now, this is just an illustration of how our culture has changed. When I grew up in the Townsend household, cards were an anathema. We didn't have playing cards in our home. In fact, I had a classmate who went to France, and that was very unusual for southern Ohio side of county for somebody to go to France. And she was a friend of mine, and she brought me back a souvenir. And it was a pack of pictures of French things. The Eiffel Tower, the Arc de Triomphe, just, just a lot of French things. Well, on the other side of those pictures were playing cards. I went home, showed them to my dad. I said, look what I was given. He said, you can't have those in our house. I didn't know why. What, it was just something we didn't do. I would guess, and my guess could be wrong, that few, if any, of us have that same standard today. It's just different. And Paul says, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. Now, the word world there is not the regular word for world. The regular word for world is cosmos, the stuff around us. The word that Paul uses here has to do with society, has to do with culture, has to do with the thinking patterns of the world, of society. And I'll tell you what, society's trying to get our patterns to change. Our thought processes to evolve into their thinking To illustrate that, I could remind you of some multicolored crosswalks that were painted in our city. The whole purpose of that get us to change our minds about stuff. And yet, I wonder how many of us have changed our minds about stuff. In this world, the way we talk, the way we walk, the things we watch, the things we read, the places we associate, the stuff that we do with our Sundays. I'm just saying. That we need to make sure we are thinking properly and not allowing this world to squeeze us into its mold. 
And why don't we do that? Keep your finger here in Romans chapter 12 and turn over to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. Verse 15. John writes, do not love the world. Now the word world there is cosmos. It's the environment in which we live. Or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now stop there. Whoa. That's pretty abrupt, isn't it? You remember what I said about a full-time Christian? We either is or we ain't. Verse 16, for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life, it's not from the Father, but it's from the world. Uh, may I remind you of the one who's in control of this world? The prince of the power of the air, the one that does his work in the sons of disobedience. Verse 17 is true. And the world's passing away. <laughs> it's passing away along with its desires. Whatever floats the world's boat today will be different from what floats the world's boat tomorrow. But, I love this, whoever does the will of God abides forever. During ABF this morning, I sat in the, what's the name of that class? Thank you, Ecclesia class. I knew it wasn't Conania, that's the other one. The Ecclesia class. Pastor Spencer is teaching a segment in there on evangelism, and he gave us his story today, and I loved it. But he said this, or something like this. He said, God has never done anything in your life with which you will be disappointed. That's not quite a quote, but I think that's the intent. God has never done anything in your life with which you will be disappointed. Whoa! I'll not look back on my life. Pastor Spencer would not look back on his life and say, boy, I wish God hadn't done that. Not the time, but he who does the will of God remains forever. Amen? And if we're going to unlock healthy intentional worship, we must understand that we can't be conformed to this world. We cannot be squeezed into its mold because worship of a holy God is contrary to anything that the world has to offer. Okay, so what do we do? Back to Romans chapter 12, please. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformed. Metamorpho. Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a what? New creature, new creation, right? Old things are passing away. Behold, all things are become new. In Matthew chapter 17, 
Jesus took Peter and James and John to a mountain. And we would know it as the transfiguration of Christ. It's a wonderful, wonderful event that took place in the life of, of Christ. And Christ allowed Peter and James and John to, to peer past the curtain and see who he really was. In all of his glory and majesty. And that's the word that's used there. Metamorpho. You and I might equate it with a caterpillar, a cocoon, and a butterfly. You know? Any of you want to stay in the state of a caterpillar? I don't care how beautiful they are, they're ugly. Any of you want to live in a cocoon? You want to be a butterfly? This is it. Be transformed. How? By renewing our minds. It starts up here, goes to here, and is lived out here. Now we sang about setting our eyes so that we can set our hearts so that we can live. Remember that? Same deal. But if you don't change your mind about a subject, you won't change your life about a subject. I need to go on a diet. I've yet to make up my mind to do it. And until I make up my mind to do it, I won't do it. Standing around and confessing to you that I need to do it doesn't get it done. Sitting around wanting to worship without a changed mind, a different mindset, an understanding of who God is won't get it done. I don't care how uplifting things are and how often we raise our hands. Now, I like uplifting things and I like to raise my hands. But until it goes from here to here, it won't go here properly. And the third key tells us that healthy worship involves a change of mind, a transformation of our minds. I like what Acts chapter 4 says about Peter and John. It says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John... And perceived that they were uneducated men. They took knowledge of them that they'd been with Jesus. I don't care how smart people think I am. I do care what people think about how often I've been with Jesus. I don't care how smart people think I am. Or what my opinions are. I do care about what people think about how often I've been with Jesus, and we're going to do that this morning. 
put off the old man. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new man. Worship is not a take it or leave it activity. Once we change our minds and our hearts, true worship will follow. I like what the writer of Proverbs says. He says, keep your heart, your mind with all diligence. For from it flows the spring of life. That's in Proverbs chapter 4. And in Proverbs chapter 23, he says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. (laughs) Yeah. You're not what you think you are, but what you think you are. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? That you may discern, prove what is that perfect and acceptable will of God. You see, healthy worship calls us to discern and do God's will. Calls us to discern and do God's will. The Pillar New Testament commentary said, the renewal of the mind enables the believer to discern what is good, what is pleasing to God, and what is perfect. And having discerned it, the same renewal sets him to the task of performing what is seen as the will of God. You ever thought about the will of God? Is it a mystery to you? May I just very quickly give you six areas about the will of God? The will of God starts with salvation. Second Peter tells us that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as personal Savior, you need to be saved. That's where it all starts. God sent His Son, His only begotten Son, so that you might have a relationship with Him. I was reminded this morning of what Zeb Reeder said as he taught us during our study on the seven churches of Revelation. He said something like this. It only took God's words and God's breath to bring this whole world into existence. It took God sending his only son to the cross to die for you, to give to you a relationship with him. Whoa! For God to create these heavens to declare his glory as we heard this morning. The heavens declare the glory of God. All it took was God to breathe and God to speak. Wow! That's pretty good, isn't it? But for God to have a relationship with you, with me, it took the given body and the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Whoa! Not only was God willing to breathe and speak, God sent His only Son to the world. Not to condemn the world, but that you and I might have life through His name. Amen? Salvation is part of God's will. Not only is salvation part of God's will, but sanctification is part of God's will. This is your sanctification, the will of God, setting us apart for Him. There is positional sanctification where we are in Jesus Christ. There will be permanent sanctification. When we will see him, we will be like him. Amen? But between here and here, there is progressive sanctification where we are to grow in him. And in his grace. And in the wonder of who he is. 
we also discover that the will of God says that we are to be satisfied with God. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. God does all things well, doesn't he? God makes no mistakes. We say it, God is good. All the time. Don Grassa, who lost his leg above his knee, can say God is good all the time. Wow. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. We also discover that God's will involves service. Ephesians chapter 6 says that we are not to be men pleasers, but we are to serve God. We are saved to serve. What are you doing to serve God? It's His will. God's will is also involves suffering. I don't like this part, but it's true. First Peter chapter 4 says it's the will of God that we suffer sometimes. It's okay. It's okay. And God's will involves stewardship. First Corinthians 8, it's all about stewardship and the will of God. Taking care of what God has given to us. And bringing him honor and glory with it. So. We're back to Romans chapter 12. Will you read it with me up here? Here we go. I appeal to you therefore brothers. By the mercies of God. To present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable to God. Which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that you may prove by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And I didn't spend a lot of time on good, acceptable, and perfect. But let me just say this. God does it all good. And if it pleases him, that's all that matters. And perfect is to mature us and grow us in our relationship with God. That's why we come here. That's why we're saved. We are not saved for ourselves. We are saved because of a Savior. We are saved to worship and give Him honor and glory. Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. 